Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the very sick tiny room. I am the the unusually sexily voiced uh, Michael of Michael and Benjamin's podcast, and I am joined today by the man who is known as the only scientifically proven cure for the common cold. It's Ben. Hi there. I'm happy to help. Thanks, Ben. Ben, um, that was of course a lie. Yes, I can't cure the common cold. But if anybody, you know, wants to get in touch with me for some some advice, I am now selling essential oils. So yeah. you can choose from lavender, which yeah. is great for chakras and auras. Um, I have a little bit of rosemary oil that I uh, extract and distill myself. So that's yeah. that's great you for have that snake oil. Yeah, that you squeeze right out of a snake. Let's <laughs> yeah. squeeze it. That's great for uh, karmic reinvention. If oh. you'd like to be something cooler in your next cycle, something like that, you yeah. know. Yeah. So just get in touch with me. Ben, you know what, though? You could squeeze. You could <laughs> squeeze the last bit of comedy out of introducing the theme music. <gasps> theme music for the podcast. We don't actually have any theme music. But I hope someone will make some up for us. Don't wanna name any names Rachel, I hope it's Rachel <laughs> The master of the segue So just on Ben's essential oils we have a special oh, now no. you can get <laughs> no, I thought it was over <laughs> No, it's never over Essential oils are never over Ben, look, I forgot to point out to you I got a Lady Sif action figure Oh, look yeah, how sifish isn't that good, Ben? Yes. Speaking of a lady Sif action figure, go on. Um, we're not really a toy podcast, but every now and then we do venture a little bit into toys. We we do have one of Ireland's premier toy fanatics in the tiny room. Yeah, well, he's not getting out. We've got him captured. Yeah, <laughs> Ben. It was New York Toy Fair. That's the informal name for it. I think it's the American International Toy Fair, but it's the silly it's the, name. It's the big toy fair of the year, and yeah, it was okay. on. Uh, it was on this weekend in Dat America. And in Dat America, does anything pique your fancy, Michael? Ben, anything? Anything? A couple of things. Was there a few things to talk about. One is that the toy manufacturers, Ben, have clearly realized that the current money is to be squeezed out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the 90s. Ah, we're going for nostalgia kicks, are we? It's nostalgia and the cinematic universe. That's what's okay. selling things. Um, for example, they announced a two-pack of Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter okay. and World War Two Captain America. A lot of okay, yeah, it's quite interesting actually. A lot of civilian action figures. They're releasing a Peggy Carter. They're releasing a Lewis from Ant Man. What? They're releasing an MJ from Spider Man. Just civilians. The the the, the superheroes' friends. This reeks of money grubbing. It's interesting. They're all coming out in two packs. I think because they realised that those characters but wouldn't be enough to sell on their own. Those aren't standalone items. Um, <laughs> having said that, Ben, they're also doing a Grandmaster and Korg. Oh, okay. I'll he's, take a Korg. He's made of rocks. He's made of rocks, but Perish, probably not in the rocks. Not in the. <laughs> not in the toy version. But yeah, assumedly. Grandmaster and Korg is pretty exciting. Michael, I'm I'm very worried that your new sexy voice is going to become a staple of the podcast. It's very pleasant to listen to. People will enjoy it more. The only way that it could be more successful is if my new sexy voice was also Australian. Yeah, we would make more money that way. But I'm I'm very worried that this is going to have to become a standard. You are going to have to hang around sick people. I think, Ben, that in the world of voices, in the world, <laughs> in a world, in a world of voices, it is actually quite possible to change your tone. It just takes practice. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So if people want me to constantly sound snotty, I could probably do it. Yeah, you, pro- you probably could. So stay tuned for our new Instagram page where we yeah. track Michael's progress to the wonderful world of tonal alteration. Yeah, and snottiness. And <laughs> Benjamin, <laughs> yeah. the other thing that happened at Toy Fair is a lot of toys are spoiling movies these days. Oh, they are. They keep getting an L leak. Yeah. An so, leak. Um, the thing is, I think Marvel have realized this and they give us uh, fake outs. They love fake One of uh, the big ones from... End game, Infinity War, if you remember, was there were lots of toys of the Hulk busting out of the Hulk Buster. Yeah. And that never happened. That never happened. But there's still lots of toys available that show that scene, which never happened. Yeah. I I think that Marvel at this point, when it comes to their toy leaks, are a bit like that, that kid that you knew at summer camp who was always going on about his girlfriend. <laughs> and then it was like, she well, show us a picture of it. It's like, oh, I don't have a picture yeah, right now. She went back to Canada. She went back to Canada, but it, like, totally have a girlfriend. Like. Yeah, yeah, but she's in, back in Canada. She's back. <laughs> Canadian girlfriend? She, she was my cousin. No. Marvel <laughs> constantly has a Canadian girlfriend. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but DC, I think, are newer to this game, and they have completely spoiled the ending of uh, the upcoming Shazam. Shazam! Very I don't good. know why I decided to do that. I just did. Um, so what? Let's leave a little break. We leave a little spoiler break. Uh, yeah, here. one, two, three. Spoilers. Okay, here the spoilers for Shazam. Um, a series that the first to, to spoil it, the best company for spoiling movies with toys is Funko. Bloody Funko. Funko Pop, they don't give a shit about you enjoying a film as long as they can sell you a little plastic wobbly-headed bastard. Yeah, not so Funko if you're into non-spoilered movies. Yeah, Spoilco. No, that's not great. Uh Hunco, no. Nah, you tried though. Yeah, look, I'm sick. Ben, uh, they've spoiled Shazam because they have shown us that all five of Billy Batson's orphan friends are going to become the Marvel family at the end of the movie. Oh, fucking bullshit, Michael. What a bunch of spoilers. That's that's a stack of spoilers. It is. I probably should have asked you if you wanted to no, know. No, no. I mean, I'm gonna, I, I may go watch it. I have not seen a DC film in the cinema since Man of Steel. You saw Aquaman. No, I didn't. I've never seen Aquaman. Have you not seen Aquaman? No, I've not seen Aquaman. What are you doing hosting I know, a it's terrible, podcast. isn't it? What are you asking? Shocking. Um, I have never seen a DC film in the cinema since... I've seen it now because Suicide it's out Squad. in various points. Did we go see Suicide Squad in the, cin- in the cinema? I don't remember. I don't know. I, think that I don't think so. I think yeah. I might have seen it after. Oh. That, that could have been pre-podcast. Pre-pod. Was it? Let's let's not talk about the dark yeah, times of pre-pod. Yeah. Um... This is this is what we have now, Michael. Cure for the common cold and sexy voice, Michael. Post pod. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, they've spoiled that. Oh, they're all going to be there's Mary Marvel and there's uh, there's the blue one, whatever his name is, Captain Marvel Junior. There's a green Marvel. There's a purple lady Marvel. Not purple lady. She's she's purple costume. Purple costume. Okay, yeah. fair enough. The, I find it very weird that. If this is true, if it's not a fake, it isn't. Funko's just a pack of bricks. But this but, isn't only Funko is where I was going with this. Sorry. Oh, There's sorry, the yeah. DC, I think it's called DC Universe action figures. Yeah, yeah these and are the new ones. The, yeah. They're the equivalent of the Marvel Legends action figures. They're not as good. And the only reason I know that, and I would rarely know this, on Friday, yes. I had to kill some time. And the only thing that's open quite late on a Friday uh-huh. is Forbidden Planet. So mm-hmm. I went into Forbidden Planet and I, I perused around the things that I had no intention of buying. Sorry, really? Forbidden Planet. Um, and I, I, I came across an aisle where on one side of the aisle were all the Marvel Legends. Mm-hmm. And the other side were these new DC Universe ones. They're not as good. They're a bit more cartoony. They well, don't, They don't have the finesse required. Mainly, I suppose, because they don't have as many live action representations. The thing is, the, the, the Billy Batson ones, the Captain Marvel ones, look pretty good, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, but, but, yeah, spoilies, spoilies, spoilers. Spoilies, spoilers. It's, it's unusual that they're putting so much into Captain Marvel. I, I think it's good. It's, well, sorry, not Captain Marvel. Shazam. Well, um, I don't know if 
the character's name is going to be Shazam in the movie because in the comics with the the legal wrangling he he is he, the character's name is still Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel yeah. just the comic is called Shazam I think it's DC that allows Marvel to use it because no it's the other way around really uh-huh. really do you want to know the story go on we, we could have saved this for a whole episode but um <sighs> so Fawcett Comics I think yeah had Captain Marvel yes yes and they let him slip when comics f- collapsed in the 50s dopes and then uh, DC bought him but did nothing with him. Okay. Then Marvel introduced their Captain Marvel. Okay. And then that secured the rights to a comic called oh. Captain Marvel for Marvel, but not necessarily the rights to the name. So DC could still use the character with the name Captain Marvel, but they couldn't call a comic Captain Marvel. I think you greatly overestimate what would make a full episode. Well, we could talk about the whole two Captain Marvels and then, you know. I'm only kidding. But that's actually quite similar, interesting. Because they're both kind of spatially displaced. Because one is Billy Batson, he gets struck by lightning yeah. and becomes Captain Marvel. And then the other one was, was one of the Captain Marvels was, was it Rick Jones? And he had to bang the Nega Bands together yeah. and became Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't become Marvel, he changed space. Rick Jones has been so many things. Rick Jones recently reappeared in hell in the Immortal Hulk. He did indeed, yeah. Bloody, as the abomination, Rick Jones. Yeah, uh, A bomb. A bomb. Yeah. No good. No good. It's just a not, strange decision. Not a good ending for him. He, he could be invisible. He could roll into a ball. Like, yeah. Kind of an armadillo. He was, like a, he was like an armadillo on steroids. It was very strange. Not Rick a, Jones. Not a great ending for that little arc of the Immortal Hulk. I didn't felt. enjoy it. No. Didn't enjoy it. And we really big that up. And I was hoping for more. It I, kind of I, got up itself a bit, didn't it? Well, it was just this. The, what was the I love you, buddy? thing at the end what, what was the I, I didn't have as much issue with that as much the... as all the cherubims and ketters and yeah, that was weird. Euclidean geometries and yeah that was it, weird it all got a bit mad it all got a bit silly yeah anyway oh, wow. fair, very exciting um, in other in Transformers news Ben uh, the Transformers Marvel Transformers Masterpiece line has made a full kind of swing towards doing um more cartoon accurate ones. Are you, are you going to have to buy more shelves? Uh, no, it's kind of lost me a little bit, to be honest. I don't oh. need another masterpiece Bumblebee and another masterpiece Optimus. They've, I've already got two of the bastards. There's one in there and there's one up there. They've overstretched. How much? I fear this question because someone will try and hunt down the, the tiny room and steal your collection. Mm-hmm. Is this worth anything? Yeah, I'd say so. In terms of not in terms of personal investment now, but no, like, well, that's not what I buy you've, it for. But you've you've invested considerably. In the I, world of action figures. I haven't been. I haven't invested anything. I've just bought action figures. Wow. Well, I mean, Michael, come on. We hype up the collect- We're going to need to no, sell no, this no, one day to keep no, the pod going. No, no, no. no, no. Sell, you. <laughs> sell you before I sell this. <laughs> ben has been sold into slavery, ladies and gentlemen. Sure, for the common cold. What, are we, right what are we talking about here? <laughs> anyway, that's some interesting news there. Moving on from that, Michael. Yeah. We have to talk about other things that happened this week. Yes, Ben. Um, ben, just very quickly. What's your favourite story about a bunch of super-powered outcasts who live in a mansion with some sort of manipulative billionaire? Doom Patrol. Oh, it's Doom Patrol, is it? Not no, the X-Men. No, it, it, it could be the X-Men. Or the Umbrella Academy. Or the Umbrella Academy. Or, or the, the Bruce Wayne family. Or, any, yeah, anything to do with Batman. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, Ben, that this week... Uh, we talked about it before, but the Umbrella Academy was released on Netflix. Yes. At the same time as uh, Doom Patrol was released on DC Streaming Universe. Yeah, DCU. DC, DC Universe is um, what it's called. Two very, very similar stories. Two, Yeah, two very, very similar stories. Um, so we are going to do a future episode on this, ladies and gentlemen, especially on, on Doom Patrol. Yeah. Um, but as, as you know, we've mentioned the Umbrella Academy before. 
about a bunch of misfits when everybody gets an L superpower on the planet for no reason. Some children are gifted all of a sudden and women give birth. They're kind of immaculate conceptions despite not having been pregnant. Um, this is never explained, but in the classic way, a billionaire, bloody saucy, eccentric billionaire goes yep. off and, and adopts these children. Turns out he's, spoilers, an alien. Well, that's not spoilers because that's literally the first page of the comic. Okay, handy. Um, <laughs> in that case, in that case, no spoilers. He's an alien, but not mentioned in the TV show yet. No, probably not. That's so kind of why I was giving spoilers. Yeah, but, you know, he might not be in the, in the TV show. They may retcon that. Yeah. I have been watching um, Umbrella Academy on the Netflix Ben. How is it? I, I've seen about half of it so far. Mm-hmm. It is quite good. It is quite good. It um, I have only read the first collected edition of the comic. Yes. So there are some changes. For example, Mary J. Bilge is in it. What? Yes. She plays a time assassin. Ooh. And saucy. I, I think that's something from the second collected edition. The Dallas. Been, yeah, which has yeah. been linked in. But so far, it's good. It is, I feel... A little bit, I feel, suffering from Netflix syndrome. Which is? Overinflated storytelling. Uh, ah. A belief that they're doing a character-driven story. But they aren't. But they, I mean, it's it's still very good. It's very enjoyable so yeah. far. But I don't know why it has to be 15 episodes. 15 episodes? Well, I, I was hoping for a miniseries. Eight I was hoping for a tight eight. A tight eight. We a like tight a tight eight. eight. We love here, a tight eight here at the podcast. But it's definitely not a tight eight. I would, I would have taken a, a slightly looser ten. It might be ten. I could be wrong. But I've, I'm five I, in. I think I, you're probably on fifth. I, knowing knowing you, Michael, you probably haven't made a mistake in this particular case. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very good. It's very visually, very, very visually good. The, the special effects are incredible for a TV show. Oh, excellent. Well, that's um, always nice to hear, isn't it? it, it it's movie quality. It, yeah. It, the thing about it is, here's the thing, right? Yes. Um, it very much wears its Wes Anderson influence influence on its sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, it wants you to feel as if Wes Anderson had done a comic book movie. Which is a bit of an insult to Jared Way, who did a very good job on that comic book. I don't think it is at all, to be honest with you. Because, mm. I mean, movie directors are movie directors and they have their styles. But if you're going to wear your Wes Anderson influence that heavily on your sleeve, you better make it Wes Anderson-y. Because yeah, don't half-ass your Wes Anderson. That's kind of my issue with it. Don't half-Wes it. The, the half-assed Wes Anderson bits always stick out. Ah, you know what I mean. It, you feel, oh, it's doing a Wes Anderson bit again. But you can tell instantly that it's trying to do a Wes Anderson bit. Yeah, again. exactly. Yeah, good. Like there's a in one of the early episodes. There's a pan out from the house, and you can see everyone dancing in their own room. Yep, uh, that's so a, half the house is cut away. That's Wes Anderson. Um, there's another scene where two characters come into a library, and we see it from the top floor of the library, and they split up. And then the camera pans up the library and, and they them. meet back up at the top mm. after the pan. It's very Wes Anderson. Very Wes Anderson. But the dialogue and the characters aren't very Wes Anderson. Oh, okay. Jarring. Yeah, a little bit. A hodgepodge of styles, so to speak. You could say that. But Ben, I don't want to make it sound like it's not good because it is good. Right. I'll go check it out. It is worth seeing. It features the world's smallest lesbian, Ellen Page. Ellen Page. Um, she is suitably mopey and sad. That's just Ellen Page, isn't it, at this point? It seems to be. <laughs> if she's not on Twitter calling out people for going to churches that are occasionally anti... But which, which having read more on, is, is a fair point. She didn't really need to call him out in it, but it's it's not like it's in 
Pain you're going to have, you're have to explain this. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Um, Ellen Page recently called out Chris Pratt, uh, superstar Chris Pratt, um, for attending a notoriously anti-LGBTQ uh, mega church. He's mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that goes to a, a mega church. He's a real god guy. Um, he's a real god guy, which is something that not a lot of people know about bloody um, Chris Pratt. Um, but yeah, he's a big old god guy. Um, now getting remarried uh, to to a new lady. Anna Faris has been gone for a while now, um, and he's got his new. Uh, it's very irritating to to look at his stuff on on Instagram because well, he don't. goes on about her her. Godliness and her. Well, just don't. Yeah, it. no, I didn't. I didn't mean to. But whilst <laughs> researching this story, but anyway, she called him out on it. Um, he felt suitably persecuted, as many Christians often do when called out on their bullshit. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just an interesting thing to to see. Anyway, she's doubled down on it, and she's come back and been like, no. Notably LGBTQ, and he—I think he said something like, um, "I don't see how that affects my career." And she then replied that many people in show business are LGBTQ, and it, of course, affects her, his career and how he his career is doing better than hers. His career is on fire; it's going nowhere. Um, no, going nowhere is bad, Ben. It's oh, sorry. I mean, it's not going away. Not yeah. going away. Is that better? Not going anywhere. No. <laughs> See, it's yeah, very okay, tough. Yeah, um, you know who else is a god person? Go on, Zachary Levi. Oh, he's a big god person. He is actually. I remember that now. I'd say they get on well. I'd say they'd be best buds, yeah, Captain Marvel and Star Lord. Yeah, which sound like two variations of the same person. They do actually. <laughs> Benjamin. Yeah. Anyway, give Umbrella Umbrella Patrol a watch. It's it's good. Yeah. Have you seen Doom Patrol this week? I have well? seen Doom Patrol. Okay. Ben. Is it good? I flew to America and I installed the DC Universe app. Paid the subscription. Paid the subscription. Legally. That's how I've picked up the common cold, the airplane air, the recycled Bloody airplane, airplane air. air. It's dirty. It's also very good. It's very, very good, Ben. There's lots of swearing and boobies in it. Swearing and boobies because it's a subscription service, you Michael, so tits galore. I was stunned to, see, to see boobies in a superhero franchise. The That's last time great. I saw a boobie in a superhero franchise was Watchmen. Yeah. Um, and it was weird slow motion booby that Zack Schneider seems to be oddly into yeah. um, which is tough you know um, I think what's interesting is the, the amount of shifts in, in characterization that have happened between the little teaser we got in Titans and the actual series it's got a cyborg now it, well it doesn't Oh, he's not in the first episode. Fair enough. It's got a Timothy Dalton now as Niles Calder. It was played by an Indian gentleman whose name I do not know because I'm racist and I only pay attention to white people. <laughs> um, Wales is on Timothy Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, Timothy Dalton is now large and in charge. Didn't realize the man doing the voice of the negative man is none other than Matt Bomer. Yes, your Matt favorite Bomer, who is a very handsome man. He is. He's um, also plays the. He also plays the negative man whose name I can't remember in flashbacks. Oh, okay, excellent. The first episode is very much a origins episode, but it's quite yeah. enjoyable. It feels much more cheaper TV than the Umbrella Academy, which has a I big, think that's huge almost budget intentional, though. Yeah, with Doom Patrol. I enjoyed it more though. Okay, I'm going to watch it this week. It's and well I'm, worth watching. Ben. We're going to do a what? What even is Doom Patrol? Do. Uh, for next week so we'll, we'll do that next week yeah, if any okay. of you are listening and have strong Doom Patrol connections do let us know down below in the comments or get in touch with us on Instagram and let us know we're not wrapping up the podcast I know it feels like that all of a sudden but anyway Benjamin uh, let us know anyway yeah it's good I enjoyed it we'll talk about it more next week but GG. Get, get a look at it get a look at it get a, get a watch get your old eye peepers and have a roll look them at, over have a look at bloody ben, Brendan Fraser looking so old and so fat that you initially think he's wearing a fat suit oh wow <laughs> yeah. okay Brendan's falling <laughs> off the wagon eh? he has oh it's not good Anyway, uh, Benjamin. Yes, we took a tiny room excursion. We did, and we went to see Alita: Battle Angel. Oh, it's not good, Michael. Chime in on something that you said earlier. And Benjamin, 
Shut up for a second. Elite <laughs> Battle Angel. The f- four of us went, Ben. Four of us uh, went. Me and you and at podcast wanker, Shane. And yeah. our friend Jim. And our friend Jim. And uh, Ben, Elite Battle Angel, tore the tiny room apart. It divided us in it twain. Divided us, it divided us between you and Shane, who thought it was a bad movie with some redeeming features. Absolutely. And me and Jim, who thought it was quite a good movie with some negative points. Yeah, it was interesting. Oh, no, um, wait, Ben, that's essentially the same thing. That's that's what we do all the time. <laughs> it's essentially the same thing. Uh, with a different perspective, depending on how pessimistic or optimistic you actually are. Um, no, it's absolutely fine. My, my voice will probably drown that out, <laughs> uh, hopefully. But... Um, yeah, Jim pointed out something interesting. While I was watching the film, Jim is a very enthusiastic man. Yes, he is. He enjoys a film. Look, Ben, all you need to do to enjoy a film is go with Jim and plop himself down beside you. Give him some Coke and popcorn and ice cream. You'll have a great time. And I did just that. <laughs> and it, it was it was very enjoyable. And then as I as I moved away from Jim yeah. towards the, the car park of the viewing establishment. Yes. I found my cynical nature just crawling back and be yeah, like, that'll happen. That, geez, that was a great film. Wait. <laughs> and my brain would kind of go, no, it wasn't. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And Jim actually pointed this out. He goes, yeah, you see, you watched it next to me. Yeah. So Jim is fully aware of the strange oh, yeah. enthusiastic oh, yeah. effect. I mean, I saw Spider-Man 3 with Jim. It was one of my favourite films of all time until I got out of the car and went, wait a minute, that was shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why everybody leaves Jim for car parks, but they yeah. do. Look, um, if, if a film studio could kind of weaponize Jim, they'd be, <laughs> he'd be so they'd useful. Be, yeah, they'd make a lot of money because everyone would love every film. It Get would be yourself incredible. a Jim. Look, Ben, I actually believe it or not thought it was quite a good film yes i know i know um i didn't um so let's break it down michael let's break what, it down like what, break, what, break it down. What, why what? does this movie exist by the way this is the movie that inspired us to do these two anime episodes um because yeah. we were looking at adaptation and we were supposed to see it last week but we were too lazy we were too lazy so we went to see it right with the eve of the podcast last mm-hmm. week after the podcast we we Hopped along to a cinema. Um, it's an adaptation of one called Battle Angel Alita, which mm. is... No. Um, it's called Gunnam. Gunnam. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, and it's all about... You have to do this one because I didn't read the manga. I didn't read the manga either. No, um, not... I've seen the anime, but I haven't read the manga. Okay, give us the, the anime the, breakdown. The anime, Ben, is a two... Did we not talk about this last week? We talked a little... Not a lot. The anime is from the 90s, Ben, and it's a two-episode anime. Two kind of 40-ish minute episodes. Yeah. And it's about, it's quite, there aren't a huge number of changes from the the live action film. So if you've seen the live action film, you know what the story is basically. But it's about a man, a a robot doctor, not a doctor who is a robot, a doctor of robots. Yes. And he finds a super, super advanced broken robot. Not called advanced. Called Elita or Gally in the original. And he restores it to life. Oh. And mm. he builds it a new body. And it's about her adventures then in becoming a bounty hunter initially and then becoming a rollerballer and then becoming a, a resistance leader and then finding out about her past. And Alita goes to college. Yeah, well, kind of the the interesting thing for me, Ben, is I saw it years ago and quite recently. And when it was released internationally, the... The 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 anime was called Battle Angel Alita. Okay, but depending on which dub you got, the character was called either Elite Alita or Gally. 
Okay, so there was changes. Lots of changes because, I mean, Galley. I think Galley is a fine name, actually. Uh, interestingly... Alita in has the, more of a ring to it, though. In the live-action version, uh, Hugo calls her Ali, which oh, is which quite is close, very to close to Galley. Very close to Galley. Which is kind of interesting. But anyway, Ben, it turns out that she's some sort of super mega robot weapon. And she turns out to be not only a good robot, but probably the best robot. Oh, I see. Um, so that's kind of the because of nanites or something. Not in the in the eighties, in the nineties version, because I don't think people knew what nanites were then. It's a shame. She was just uh, super advanced. I would have enjoyed McGuffining. The most advanced robot. Very good. Very good. Okay, yeah. that was an excellent summary. So let's let's start with the good stuff we thought about the film, Michael. Right. Um, many of the reviews that we saw said that it was technically perfect. And I understand what they mean when they say technically perfect. I don't think I've seen scenes that rely so little, action scenes that rely so little on motion blur and all that in a very long time. It's very well choreographed when it comes to the action scenes. I and thought the action scenes were very good. Ben, there were no moments, none moments whatsoever of the poor special effects taking you out of the story yes there were no jarring moments obviously i'd say every scene was a visual effect scene oh absolutely i think I without think a doubt there are so many cyborgs and automatons yeah. and various I don't think there are any i can't remember any scenes without galley or without alita oh no there were there were, there were definitely some the, the other thing that i really like about this is the the huge lack of big gray villains there is one big grey villain. There's one big grey villain, but he's still quite unique in how big and grey he is. Yeah. I thought it was interesting how much character design went into each of the cyborgs. Right. Um, Saipan, for example, has kind of Buddhist metalwork all through his back and spine. Yeah. To match. And most importantly, he's played by Francis from Deadpool. Most importantly. Most importantly. But I thought each character in Cyborg got their own kind of unique take. Barring the two serial killer sidekicks... At the beginning of the film. I don't remember them. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, the sexy lady yeah, robot. Yeah, the, the sexy lady robot and the strange hook-handed yeah, robot. Yeah, but they were disposable. Yeah, they were disposable screen fodder, so it was fine. Very interesting. I would have said the most boring character yes. in terms of design was Alita herself. I disagree. I think it's Hugo. Oh, no, that's, Hugo is just a boring human being. Hugo but is it, just, get out in terms of here, In terms of visual character design for a cyborg. Well, Ben, you can't talk about Alita's design without talking about how he finds her. Yes. And he gives her a robot body he had designed for his teenage daughter. Not weird. Not at all weird. <laughs> Everything's fine. Uh, and then later she finds a body designed for her. Perfectly. No. Remember? Oh, yeah, uh, it's adaptive. It, it's adaptive. <laughs> and it shifts to make her sexier. <laughs> because of her subconscious image of herself. Exactly. And she gets a slightly bigger booby and a slightly more rounded bottom. The caboose comes in. It does. It's quite um, enjoyable. And there's a weird scene where someone, Christoph Waltz, as her robot maker, says, Well, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> oh. For some reason, the German in his accent went up a fraction too yeah. much. And it becomes a very strange scene. Also. So, like, just as she's developing a bust and a bottom, the, his robot nurse says, it looks like she was older than you thought she was. Mm. Which is, again, another middle finger to him being, maybe we shouldn't give things and try to replace our dead teenage daughters with robots we find in scrapyards. I, mm. thought, I thought, Ben, that was not so much a middle finger to that as a kind of shout out to the fact that Japanese heroines are usually quite obviously underage. Lo- bloody lolly fiction crap. We'll get to that later. I'm so, yeah, I thought it was, a, it was a bit of a nod to that. It was a bit of a nod to the people who are watching it with a tissue and their trousers around oh their ankles God, saying, look, it's fine God, now. Jesus. From this point on, it's fine. Fucking hell, Nick. Finish yourself off there. Oh. It's fine now. Stop it. 
We do not condone any kind of in-cinema masturbation here at the podcast. Ben, have I ever told you that I used to work in a cinema? <laughs> oh, fuck, that was so... <laughs> I thought that was... Have I ever told you about the time I masturbated in the cinema? I used to work in the cinema, Ben, when I was a young man. Younger than even you are now. Than even I. And... Um, I worked in the bar, Ben, but also I was morning security because I was kind of the biggest man bigger, around. Yeah. And um, there was a song called Nine Songs. Have I talked about it? Uh, no, you yeah, haven't. haven't. There was a film called Nine Songs, which was released in the early 2000s, I suppose, in Ireland. And it featured sex in it. Oh, sex in a film in Ireland? Sex in a film in Ireland. Jeez. And this was in the early days of the internet in Ireland. And we had quite a few older gentlemen in long jackets who would oh, come in. No. There were two types of people who went to see it. Art students oh, and fuck. older men in long jackets. <laughs> and then often a concerned patron, 18-year-old girl with dyed hair would come out and say, um, excuse me, but um, there's a man in Nine Songs and I think um, he's having some difficulties and now he's fallen asleep. Would you go and check on him? So then I would have to go in and say, hello, sir, have you have you finished? <laughs> would you like to come out? Uh, Leave. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to, I had to escort Aww. quite a few older gentlemen off the premise. Well, that's that's really darkened up my experience of Elite <laughs> Battle Angel now. And uh, there was probably some poor young man keeping an eye out in our cinema screening, just making sure that the yeah. four lads who came in together <laughs> were leaving looking a bit tired than they came well, in. Look, Ben. But anyway, those are the positives, Michael. Now can we... <laughs> now can we... Now can we... <laughs> the fact that she got boobs and a bomb are the positives, okay. <laughs> that was just a weird scene in general. Um, now can we talk about the negatives, mainly that Robert Rodriguez can't seem to shake his old style of filmmaking? I don't know what you mean. Yeah, fair enough. So, Robert Rodriguez has had some ups and downs, Michael. Um, probably most notable in comic book culture Spy kids. for directing. No, we'll get to that in a second. Sorry. Would you ever calm down? Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Calm down. Calm down. Right, all right. Settle calm. down. Right. Jesus. Spy Kids 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so he's probably most famous in, in comic book culture as the man who directed Sin City. All right. Uh, the original film adaptation with Jessica Alba. Yes, I um, It had some Mickey Rourke's when Mickey he was is, yeah. going through his career kind of catharsis yeah. that has since gone nowhere. But um, yeah, generally speaking, he's kind of famous Go on. for not only adapting, but just loving CGI mm-hmm. and and trying to always push his films into some next level of CGI use. Right. So that would be most notably done by... Spy Kids. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Spy Kids was a uh, the first Spy Kids was very entertaining. It had a, a Carla Gugino. It had a an Antonio Banderas. It had two kids whose names I don't remember if they're even alive. Who were called Junie and something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, their parents were spies. They were kidnapped by Alan Cummings. Um, not not a character. The actor Alan. No, Cummings. the actor Alan Cummings. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, <laughs> should make that clear. Who was called Floop? Or? No, it was Alan Cummings. It was the actor <laughs> Alan Cummings. <laughs> yeah. um, Did you like my German accent? He said. And they have to go <laughs> save them. Basically, uh-huh. uh, it's a very strange film, but it was very good at the time. Robert Rodriguez, uh, old Robbie R, took this to mean that he was onto something. Yeah, and proceeded to make. Four more. Spy Kids. Yeah. Out five Spy Kids. The budget seemed to go down each time he made a new one. Mm. The cast seemed to decrease a little each time he made a new one. Danny Trejo. Uh, Danny Trejo sticks in everything Mexican, which is fair enough. I have nothing against that. He then went on and made uh, Machete. 
Yeah. And you know, he has a very close personal relationship with Quentin Tarantino and often... And Danny Trejo. And I think basically idolizes Quentin Tarantino a little bit and doesn't quite understand how the style works. We should mention, he's probably... What what got him wonderful acting credit, he made a fantastic film called Desperado. That was pretty good. Which was a remake of his Spanish language film, El Mariachi. He had a gun in his guitar case. Yeah, that's a great film. And then CGI just took over his life. Um, Did he do Dusk Till Dawn? Yes, he did. Which is also a good film, but bizarre. Um, But generally speaking, the problem that you get with Robert Rodriguez, he has a few things that he always comes back to. Right. And he kind of batters them to death. Like, that's, that's what he likes to do. So he loves a romance subplot. But the the Hugo and Alita romance is straight from the original source. It's garbage. It it was garbage. He did a terrible job. He loves a, a telenovela romance. He loves two kids from the wrong side of the tracks find each other. Well, maybe that's what drew him to this because that is the core of the early going of that story. Shocking. Um, <laughs> it was very poorly uh, the other thing that combines with the love story is he loves to use unknown actors Spike Kids starred two kids from Mexico um, I don't think they were Mexican I think they were American they're American uh, Mexican though he he does a lot of no no I promise <laughs> um, he but does one of them was ginger he does a lot of that's not uncommon in Mexico <laughs> um, he does a lot of um, Mexican casting and stuff like that because he is Mexican, right? Um, and he pays a lot Seems of. Seems like you have a bit of a, an no, issue with Mexico here. Then. <laughs> oh, damn it, damn it! I just think we should build a wall around Ireland so we don't have any problems. What's what's wrong with that? But anyway, he that loves solve to Brexit. He loves to find. Oh God, he loves to find a kind of a, a diamond in the rough actor that no one else has used, and you know he really pushes that. And always in a Robert Rodriguez film, you can find one actor who is clearly very nervous to be on screen for the first time. And it's always fun. You could almost play a drinking game. And who do you think that was in, in, in this? In this was Hugo. Okay. Hugo and possibly the Alita, but Hugo was very poor I as an actor. I didn't think he was that poor as an actor so much as it's just not a great character. Not a great character, but also a very poor actor. There mm. were some... The, him and his best friend that gets... Well, we can't spoil it, but <laughs> him and his best friend that suffers a <laughs> just some shocking acting from those three, the sassy Asian sidekick that he gives the two of them that has two minutes of screen time and then is so never it's seen Mexicans again. and Asians that are bothering you. <laughs> look, okay. anybody that doesn't look like me, yeah, Michael. Very good. Um, so that that was another issue I had with it. Um, poor acting on that scale. Um, there are some glaring. Plot issues. First of all, Edo, the the robot doctor that you were talking about, called by Christoph Waltz, is just yeah. a serial killer. Yeah, of robots. Yeah, but she made it seem like it was like, oh, he's going out and serial killing people. No, still going out and just just killing people. He's doing it for the law, yeah, but he's doing yeah. it to avenge his dead daughter. He's, he's the ghost of his dead daughter everywhere, and he murders robots. He's the Liam Neeson of robots. Yeah, but he doesn't do it in a quick, humane way. I'm sure a robot technician could probably just use an EMP of some kind or something like that. No, he goes and builds a big bloody warhammer, yeah, a rocket-propelled warhammer, and he smashes their faces in. Yeah. This, the, this, that's the that's I mean that's the same as any sort of story about some sort of ven- vengeance driven lawman a Liam Neeson <laughs> yeah basically he's out for vengeance because his daughter was killed so I wanted to go out and kill a robot bastard <laughs> oh Jesus <laughs> didn't know where that was going um, go on other plot issues so the other plot issues that we had there hang on I got them here in front of me um, pacing was yeah, shocking. Right, so here's the thing, right? 
I kind of somewhat agree with you on this. The in the first two, uh, the only two episodes of the anime, the rollerball stuff, the murder ball, motorball, motorball. Yeah, that stuff isn't in it. Good. And <laughs> I, we were talking last week, Ben, about what makes a good and bad anime adaptation. And one of the things that can make a bad one is often, and this is true of Western superheroes as well. Yeah. Imagine trying to make Invincible into a movie. Mm-hmm. It's hard to pick the window that you want into the series. Because often the first couple of issues aren't the best parts. No, it's once you're invested and then... Exactly. And then it gets really, it it really, a twist hits or something and you get really invested in it. And you could say that that was an issue with this because the whole you go love finding a new body thing, that's the first... Arc. Arc. Yeah. And the murder ball is like the fourth arc. Okay. But he's taken from both of them and run them at the same Just time. mashing those arcs together. Because it needed something a bit visually spectacular. Yeah, but he got the big backing from Big Jimmy, Jimmy C. Big Jimmy C. Big Jimmy C, who, <laughs> who loves know? a fully artificial world. You know what else Jimmy C loves? What? Underwater scenes. He does love some underwater scenes. Did you scene. see the underwater scene? We had an scene? underwater yeah. scene with a leader where she just dips on in and swims on through for no reason whatsoever. To keep Jimmy C happy. To keep Jimmy C yeah, I was like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the money, Robert. Just, hey, Robert, just, I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna, just Robert, give Jimmy what he wants. <laughs> hey, Robert, I'm here. I'm just going to kind of supervise the next couple of days of you filming this underwater scene. And Robert was like, oh, si, senor, there's no problem for me. <laughs> Jesus, Ben, that was, that, <laughs> that was bad. Was, that was you. <laughs> that wasn't me. That wasn't me. <laughs> Everyone knows you're the one who does the voices. <laughs> That was shocking. Wow, man. Wow, that no was good. so racist. That's the end of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of mashed together stuff. First, she wants to be a hunter warrior. Then she wants to be a murder ball champion. Motorball. De- sorry, motorball champion. Then she wants to be in love with Hugo forever. Then she wants to help Hugo get up to, what's the upper world called? Z- yeah, again, another Z- change. Zalem? 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 Zalem, that was yeah. it. Zalem. Um, you know, he wants to do, she wants to do all these things in one movie. Well, and she's a teen girl. Hang, hang on. Do not a, make excuses uh, for shitty plot. <laughs> yeah, she's not as young as we thought. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's, there's that whole pacing issue, which I found very strange. Um, there's the odd characterization of Hugo. Hugo literally goes out at night and spoilers again. Yeah. Chops people up for spare parts yeah. and dumps them around. Yeah, he meets Alita after two days and refuses to sell her out. Yeah. She's quite attractive, you see. No. <laughs> no. Doesn't make, doesn't make any sense. He's going to sell her out, then she gets the boobies and he goes, Oh, maybe not then. I also enjoy that nobody seems to take issue with the fact that Alita is clearly not from Earth. They have this whole Mars versus uh, Earth debate, the urn technology. Erm. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Erm? Erm. United um, Republic of Mars. Yeah, that's what it is. Terrible name, but that's fine. That's not Robert Rodriguez's fault. It's probably in the comics somewhere. Um, but anyway, what I find interesting there is she's clearly very different from any other character in the show because they have the huge eyes. I don't think that's a thing. It's just that she's a full cyborg. Oh, okay. That's why they call her a hard body. Oh, yeah, because she's, she's, she's 100% cyborg. I don't think that's completely unusual. Oh, She's okay. the only one we see. Okay. But it's not a, an impossible thing. Okay. Okay, well then that 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 you know what I mean? That it's strikes not, that point completely off the record. It's not pure like if you look at Zapan, 
Yeah. He essentially is as well. Full cyber. But he kept his, his face. human face. Yeah. Because he... His pretty he's, face. He's a pretty face. He's a pretty boy. Yeah. There were high levels of gore there occasionally with the robot abuse. Mm. 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 But like overall, visually speaking, very strong film. Very just, I just didn't think it was that great a film. I thought it was an okay film, but it had some pretty big drawbacks. Very melodramatic. Very melodramatic in places, which I didn't really enjoy. So anyway, moving on from there, back to what we were talking about last week. Last week, we kind of left off when we got to shonen mm. uh, anime. And I, I mentioned uh, shonen is a kind of action genre of anime. Shonen jump. Uh, oh, sorry. Before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, oh. we have the return of a long-awaited segment. Come on. Yeah, on, let's try. get sexy voice making. <laughs> ben, he got something wrong. And now he's going to admit that he got it wrong. It's Ben's Retractions. Ben's Retractions. Yes, it was pointed out by um, one of our one of our excellent listeners who who consistently supports the podcast, Nine Wassies, is it yeah. Nine Wassies? Um, that I made a mistake You're last mate. week. I made a comparison you between... You met him in the comic yes, shop. Yes, I met him in a comic book shop without realising uh, who he was, and he met me without realising who I was. Um, because you don't get famous for podcasting for your face. No. Nope. Um, Anyway, uh, I made a mistake last week. I drew a comparison between uh, The Departed by Martin Scorsese and Infernal Affairs, which I mistakenly said was a Japanese It's not Japanese film. at all, is it, Ben? It's not. It's from Hong Kong, Mick. So I have a huge Ben's attractions there. It's a Hong Kong film. A Hong, Hong Kong. Kong cinema origin. What Ben has learned this week is that Hong Kong and Japan are not the same. They're not the same <laughs> thing. The more you know. Anyway, coming back to that, now that we're off Ben's attractions, Jump back to the Shonen. We just managed to get over to Shonen. Shonen Jump is one of the big publishers of manga in um in japan and they or hong kong whatever it's all the same some of the, <laughs> some of the very big ones that a lot of western people would know come from shonen jump and um, those examples would be naruto those examples would be dragon ball one piece um bleach etc Ble- bleach yeah i don't know if that's shonen jump but it, it definitely is one of those long-running ones bleach kind of fell off the bandwagon i would say that naruto dragon ball and one piece are lauded as kind of fan favourites by a lot of people. Those waves. Look at those waves. Um, And I think Mick's hit on an important point there with that. Um, It's a heavily stylized genre with a lot of tropes and things that belong all all its own to that that style of anime. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a lot... When people think of the negatives of anime and when people give up on anime, I being one of them, I'm not a fan of anime in general... Mm -hmm. um, these are the things that kind of jump to. One is the ridiculous sound effects of ha ha ha. Those are the noises that used to bring Mick into a cinema to escort people out. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. But yeah, generally speaking, um, that's one of the things we associate. Really, really huge casts is another thing. Um, as I, as I mentioned last week, um, when you're successful in manga in Japan, mm-hmm. you are expected to continue that manga for as long as it is successful. Yeah. Um, you're not really given your grace period. You don't have to end it. You're more or less expected to continue it until you drop dead. Yeah. Um, or until the manga has lost popularity altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, to just, do this... Just make it shit. <laughs> I think, yeah, but again, there's that whole honor culture system okay. in, in thing. I think it's something to do with, with you know, for the fans. Mm-hmm. Like, fan service was pretty much invented in Japan. Right. Fan cool. service is a thing that kind of originated over there. But um, generally speaking... Go on. To keep that interesting, you have to introduce more and more characters and keep your central character at the core of it. And then more importantly, 
The more powerful your character becomes, the more the challenges have to expand. So jumping the shark is almost a foregone conclusion in a lot of manga. And I don't think anywhere it does that quite as well as bloody Dragon Ball. Um, Dragon Ball started out as Goku in a little fight tournament. Um, mm. Learned to be stronger at that. Uh, then it turns out he's from an ancient race of super warriors called Saiyans. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes up against uh, Vegeta, who is his, who becomes his kind of best friend, rival, edgelord at the end. Mm-hmm. And then you have a famous phrase that's made it into meme culture, which is his power levels over nine thousand. Over nine thousand. <laughs> so he uses the 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 little visor that he has to measure the power level, and then every week it's oh, I didn't know that was possible. Um, and you get stuff like that quite a bit. I thought that was quite good. That was good. Um, yeah. I, I, and then you have the fight and all of a sudden planets start to drop down mm-hmm. and crash everywhere. It's very strange. I watched a little bit of Dragon Ball, Ben. As you know, I'm of a different vintage to you. And when I was a kid, uh, we didn't really get a lot of uh, Japanese stuff. It was mostly European and American stuff. That Golden we got. Age. Um, but... The, I saw the Majin Buu saga. Oh, God, with the, the bubblegum guy. burply bubblegum yeah, guy. Yeah. He was a real dickhead. Yeah, he was a real really dick. wants him to lose. But it took so long because he was winning for like seven or eight episodes. I went, all right, fuck this. I can't stick around for anymore. <laughs> you can't. You can't stick that level of thing um, as you go along. It's, it's very difficult to do. Um, Naruto is exactly the same. He's a ninja warrior um, and he has to keep going. One Piece is the same. He constantly comes up against stronger opponents. Something new happens. Uh, so originally in, in the, the One Piece mythology, you have to eat what's called a devil fruit. And a devil fruit will grant you an ability of some kind. Um, but one of the very interesting weaknesses that you get if you eat a devil fruit is you can't swim. Huh. Um, and that's the drawback to Luffy, who's the main character of this one. He ha- he ate the gum gum fruit and he can stretch his body into all kinds of different ways. Um, but he can't swim. But he can't swim. He's not allowed to swim. It's very swim. unusual for a pirate. To not be able to swim. Ah. Um, so it's interesting. You can't go in the water. But that's anyway. That's true though, man. Most pirates couldn't swim. Is that is that a fact? Mm-hmm. Is that a fact? Yeah, no. that's true. Most sailors in the olden days couldn't swim. Were you a sailor in the olden days? No, but that's a very well-known, probably not true uh, piece of trivia. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, um, yeah fair enough. Um, but anyway, he originally went up against other devil fruit people and you kind of had to use your powers <laughs> in ingenious ways uh-huh. uh, anyone who watched our Instagram last week would have seen a very strange video where uh, I reacted to a man being transformed into a woman oh, that yeah. was one of the devil fruits the ability that this character had was that she can change the genders of people Ooh. by poking them with syringes that appear in her fingers oh, no. it's very strange um, I didn't include that because I was fairly certain Instagram would ban us on the spot <laughs> um, but anyway Anyway, um, as the series progresses, he becomes uh, much more powerful. um, And all of a sudden, you have this very powerful character and you have nothing to challenge him. So what do we do? We introduce new power levels. And now you can harness your chi in different ways and and do stuff like this. But only the greatest masters can harness their chi. um, And this becomes a whole thing. Um, And then we have one of the most famous tropes of shounen anime, the time jump. Go on. The time jump is where all of a sudden, the series just doesn't know how to progress this properly. So they go... And two years later... Oh, really? Digimon did that? Digimon did that, absolutely. Uh, Pokemon did that at one point. Mm. Ash didn't age, but everybody else did. Um, Pokemon did that. The the jump in Shonen anime is... The time jump in Shonen anime is a time-honored tradition. And it's a quick way for the people to be like... Oh, what's the mystery? How did Luffy get so powerful this time? And what's the mystery here? And he went and trained with a wise old guy who wears a Hawaiian shirt and has all the powers. So this is where a lot of the... 
huge fight scenes, the strange sound effects, the ah. aggressive power levels, the long arcs, huge cast come from. These are all the tropes that we know uh-huh. and we're relatively fortunate to live in an anime age where that is now being challenged and mm-hmm. satired as we go along. But it's probably the reason that we don't see a lot of the big ones adapted or adapted well. They did attempt... Dragon Ball Evolution. They did attempt to adapt Dragon Ball. With a uh, bloody... What's his face? James Masters. Yeah, James Masters. He's going to be in Dublin Masters in a few weeks. Gonna be in the, yeah, he's going to be at a, a bloody Comic-Con in Dublin in a few weeks. We um, might challenge him to a fight. James Masters? Yeah. Really? Nah. Uh, why not? <laughs> uh, anyway, he is um, he's supposed to play Cell. Who I think it was the main villain in the original arcs of Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. And it just flopped horribly. Um, there were no whitewashing scandals this time or anything like that. Although it was... Well, I don't know what a saying is. I don't... I don't really know what... Well, they're an alien, aren't they? they yeah, so they could be whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, did a horrible, horrible job of it. Yeah, all the quirks were taken out of the... Sorry. <laughs> all the quirks were taken out of the anime and um, they just didn't translate well to film. Uh, we haven't attempted a One Piece yet because it's ongoing and still hasn't finished. I think it's on its 20th year. It's amazing. 20-year uh, run of a cartoon, which is just phenomenal. Um, Naruto, I think, is finished, but uh, again, Lauded is one of the big things. There's, there's a number of reasons um, that these things don't work well over time. Bleach started off very well, but it became very apparent. <laughs> Sorry. Sp- Bleach started off very well. It's interesting that you mentioned Bleach. Uh, it started off very well, but then it became very apparent that the writers didn't know what to do. With that character. So they started to power him up by combining him with lots of other things. They kind of mashed him together. He became a hollow that could become... It's a a whole thing. Um, One of the channels that I found very useful in kind of um, uh, tearing this apart and trying to discover it, because I'm not an anime expert, was uh, an Irish channel called One One Patch Eye. Or One... One Eye Wolf or something like that. But he's an Irish guy and he does a bunch of anime breakdowns and stuff like that that are actually quite informative and helpful. So I recommend you check him out because he gave me a hand this week. Because it was super. We might stick a link in the description there. Yeah, we've we, not remembered the name. We might stink an L link in the description. But stink anyway. Stink a link. Stink a link. Uh, anyway. Interesting that that happened. We we did last week kind of bash adaptations. You did. Here and there. Yeah, well, I always bash things, Michael. That's yeah. just my whole setting. What time are we at? 50 minutes. Oh, God. That's what a what a waste of a day. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, I did want to take a look at some of the more successful adaptations that you may not have heard of. Um, I'm sure you've heard of Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. I have. But he adapted from an anime. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, kill, yeah, what's it called? Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Yep, yeah, there we go. Edge of Tomorrow. It's it's uh, all you need is kill is the name of the anime. Uh, the yes. anime Which or the uh, the manga. Less good name. Uh, less uh, less good name. But like very interesting things done. Not an overly faithful adaptation. In the original uh, manga, the monsters or the aliens that are attacking the whole planet are like walking black holes with mouths it's oh, very cool. strange which looks great in a, a manga comic but hard but to adapt that very hard to adapt so they got these tentacle kind of robotic things that spin around and, and like from the, the matrix so it's very good speaking of another successful adaptation of most uh japanese visual styles is the matrix oh um, get out of here now the matrix is a very successful adaptation of all of the styles that make <laughs> 
uh, Japanese anime distinct from Western culture. For example, yes. um, they are a big fan of what they call subjective motion. When you watch a film or read a comic book in a Western tradition, yeah. uh, they will blur the object that is moving through space to show its speed. Ah. Okay, But Japanese comics tend to do what's called subjective motion, where they will focus on the object and blur the background ah. instead. Um, and The Matrix did exactly that with bullet time, etc., 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 um, but many of the aspects of that are, are present in The Matrix, so it's a good example of that. Old Boy is probably one of the most successful. I mean, that's a Japanese adaptation, and then Spike Lee went and butchered it with his strange Josh that, Brolin. That's an adaptation from a manga rather than from an anime. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then there Very are, unpleasant. Yeah, no, it's just a weird film. There's a, the Josh Brolin one's horrific. Horrific. It's unpleasant and not a good film. And not a good film. Uh, starring your friend and mine, Josh Brolin. Mm. Um, but yeah, so then there are some other people who... Isn't old boy Korean? Oh, God. You're going to get me in trouble again? <laughs> you son of a bitch. You keep talking there and I'll check. Uh, yeah, we better check that. Um, but anyway... Uh, oh, no, this is going to this is gonna end horribly for me. Um, but anyway, then we have some people who really pay homage to what they do and they make successful films not by adapting anything but by taking the stylistic choices and using them in their own original and unique ways. I think probably the most successful example of that is Pacific Rim by Guillermo del Toro. Specific Rim. Uh, specific Rim. That Rim there. Uh, not that <laughs> one. No other rims. And we're not talking about Pacific Rim 2, but Pacific uh, Rim 1 was quite well received. It had the Al Kaiju. Oh boy, is a Korean film. Oh, not. But it's based on a Japanese manga. Oh, so half right. safe. <laughs> um, half safe. That's a, a, a good example there. Um, probably the most successful in terms of animation is Avatar on Nickelodeon. Oh. Um, Avatar borrows heavily from. But not an adaptation. It's you know, sorry. I, I, as I said, um, oh, sorry, I certain people took original, to take the style and the aspects and they put them into original work like Pacific Rim, which is. Pacific isn't... Rim. <laughs> and then, of course, this exact the rim most here, successful ben. example this is probably Avatar from Nickelodeon. Uh, Avatar is wildly popular with the fans. Have of you ever the seen Shane's Avatar Halloween costume? No, I haven't, but I should. He was an incredible bender. <laughs> So on that lovely homophobic note... No, uh, it's what they're called after, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I know. They're benders of various yeah. different kinds. Unfortunately, Nickelodeon wasn't aware of a 90s linguistic quirk that Dublin people have come up with. I don't think that's specifically Dublin in the 90s. I think it's all of Ireland for quite a while. <laughs> Ireland for quite a while. Uh, yeah, we tend to call people that we deem home uh, homosexual benders. No, we, I don't. Uh, well, we we did. Um, Speak for yourself. Once upon a time. Anyway, anyway, you bender. <laughs> to end on that wonderfully homophobic note, uh, we probably should have talked a little bit more about My Hero Academia and um, One Punch Man, but sure, we're only out of time. We're going to be going to Dublin Comic Con soon, and we are undoubtedly going to meet and interview lots of people dressed as people from My Hero Academia. And now we have a little bit of background. <laughs> and as usual, we're going to have a complete look of bewilderment on our faces. But we we might do a My Hero Academia a whole episode about oh, it. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it because it's an interesting subversion of a genre. And what does Ben love more than a subversion of a genre? Nothing. His own voice. Uh, well, yeah, I do. I'm a big <laughs> fan of that. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we are on Instagram. We are on oh, iTunes. Give us an L review. We need them. Yeah, Please. we do. Give us a review. Yes, Please. 
Jeez. Um, let us know if you saw Alita. What did you think of it? What 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 happened there? Was Ben right? Uh, we're not going to give a second option there because Ben is right in this particular occasion. Nah, I'm only joking. Is Mick right? Let us know down below in the comments if you think that I'm an absolute snob and a bigot because I pretty much am. Yeah. Um, let me know down below what, what could change my mind. What, what recommendations do you have that would change my comic book reading mind? Also, Ben, I'd like to hear from some of our listeners on upcoming film Captain Marvel and the increasing backlash against it from white men. Bro, so from two white men. (laughs) Well, that is the interesting thing. We're not allowed to talk about it, apparently. But look, it's the whole thing. We'll we'll talk about it another day. We're not allowed to talk about it. It's very interesting. We'll talk about it next week. Oh, hang on. It's very interesting. No, don't leave me on this. Leave people hanging, Ben. Okay, bye. Bye. You bastard.